laser one more time. Laser. Hey. The, the Marco Polo thing, it was good. It was never going to be great. You want to circle back or you want to touch base? Circle back, touch base, and I'll follow up later. Here's the Dummy Run Podcast, a Minnesota United-leaning MLS podcast that may mention the USL from time to time. I'm Alistair Kraken. He's Grant Hershberger. You're going to notice our voices are a little more groggy this time around because Grant and I both spent Saturday night in the Wonderwall watching Minnesota United win. How you feeling after that win, Grant? You know, I want to talk about the win. I want to talk about the Wonderwall. I do want to dramatically hijack this conversation briefly and just take a second. Just take a second. And, um, you know, Alex, I need to know how you are reacting to the allegations that you threw your bocce ball league game in order to come back and record this podcast. Uh, The people need to know is, is that true? Is that accurate? Well, anyone who is following along this season, which I know is most of you, uh, know that we were in dead last place. Uh, I myself we were... was on pins and needles, <laughs> waiting apparently, to hear what happened next. Apparently very, very bad at bocce ball. Uh, this is the same team that I play curling with in the winter. We're pretty good at curling. Uh, dead last in bocce ball. And Would you say you botched it? <laughs> yeah, you could say. We could say we botched it. Uh, the team name was Bocce Juniors, which we thought was pretty clever. Uh, but apparently that was the best thing we did all season was coming up the name. So uh, tonight was the playoffs. Uh, we had a good chance, but we lost immediately. Um, on to the next thing. You know, who amongst us has not worked on an assignment and spent all of our mental energy and creative juices, <laughs> you know, solely on the title and then zero effort on any of the actual substance? Nope. Uh you know, let them cast the first stone is what I yep. would say. And, That's what it was. And I will not be the one to do it. So, yeah, let's talk about the Wonderwall. Um, you know, that admittedly, Alex, as, as you know, um, was my first time being in the Allianz Wonderwall. So typically I try to sit, you know, near the um, Wonderwall side, but, you know, kind of in the more middle section. I like a different view. I was in the Wonderwall, I think, two different times at TCF. Um, definitely very different being in the Wonderwall. I really like the atmosphere, super fun, uh, super great to meet a ton of people too. Like the moment of seeing people in real life versus their Twitter avatars, like, oh, it's you, hello, you know? It was a um, really cool moment, really neat to see, really great being within uh, vocal distance of, of the players, especially the other team. Um, you know, you actually reminded me of one of my, my uh, you know, heckles. I didn't remember that. Um, it might have been the double vodka soda at the, the end of the night that really wiped that out. But apparently I did, in fact, call Marco Maric uh, Charlie Brown looking ass. So I would argue that's very accurate if you look at the photo. It was creative. It was simple. It was to the point. I mean, I got to say, for it being your first time, you really sh- you had a great showing in terms of the banter uh, that you were able to produce, which is, you know, really just kind of the theme of this podcast is, you know, uh, uh, you know, maybe maybe not the flashiest people, uh, but we get the job done, you know, and I think that you really showed that uh, within the Wonderwall on Saturday. That means a lot to me. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. I, I am kicking myself, though, because there was an opportunity... Um, and we'll get to the you know the actual game, but 
when Tim Parker had a tackle on Adrian Unu, I should have said more like Tim Snarker because that's a pretty cynical tackle. But I, I, I didn't think of it at the time. There's a lot of regrets I have. So, you know, you know, life's about just about learning from from your mistakes. If you can get three points out of it and you and you learn something, you know, you're doing even better. Yeah. And hey, we got three points. We got three points out of that game. A game that realistically, and no disrespect to Houston, but it is what it is, just how their season has been going. This was absolutely a must win um, just because we need the three points. It's a team that really did not have even all their players. I think Darwin Quintero was on uh, medical watch for COVID or something like that. So I think they had a couple other players out too, correct? Yeah, they had uh, yeah they had a few different players out I believe as well. I actually haven't checked. I don't know their lineup well enough to know just off the top of my head. But I remember coming in hearing that they had a few people out um, when I rewatched the broadcast. That is on Sunday. Um, the, Kendra and, and Cal had been setting that up, um, and also they had not won on the road yet this year, um, which they've won hardly at all this year. They they have nine ties coming into this match. Um, well, they still have nine, um, but. Yes, coming into it, it was very obvious that we needed to win, not only just being playing at home against a poorer team, uh, but then you add on just how they are um, on the road and with some other key pieces missing. It very much felt like that's what needed to happen. Um, and, you know, which we'll get into, it is what happened. So They are a pretty uninspiring team. I think even... I'm going to be a little bit mean here, but even bringing in Corey Baird, who I think Corey Baird is decent... Um, but even he couldn't stop them from having more ties than a Macy Department store men's section. So, you know, it just, they really could not get anything going. Um, but, you know, they had a couple of dangerous moments. So do we want to just, let's have Yeah, but I have a really, question. Really do you quick... know where you're going with these? And then do you work to get there? Or do you just let the conversation take you where it will and hope it works out in the end? I'm going to make a metaphor. And I, I actually do know where I'm going with this. But, um... If you've ever played Guitar Hero on like the highest difficulty and you're like, I hope I can finish this and you're just kind of struggling along and you get it like at the last, you know, when the crowd starts to boo a little bit, you know, they start to boo a little bit, but you haven't lost yet. That's all of my jokes is that I'm just trying to hang in there to land the last note before people start actively booing me. So, you know, if I can get them out and it's, you know, a D minus, I'll take it. I'll take a D minus. As my uh, father, Glenn, once told me, D's get degrees, so I will roll with that. Delightful. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways, yes, <laughs> I'm glad that we got to take a peek behind the curtain and, and see how you really get this stuff all figured out. But yeah, let's get into it. So right away, the lineup is, I think, kind of what you would hope it would be, except for the omission of Nico Hansen. Um, I will say I'm very happy to see that we're done with trying to play, um, trying to flip Lude and Finley when we don't have, uh, you know, Fregapane or Nika, whoever it may be. So we have Lude out right, Finley out left. Um, but Nico Hansen over Finley. Um, Finley does has been looking much better in, as of recent matches, and I think he showed it again this game. Uh, but that one caught me off guard a bit. I know you and I talked a little bit beforehand when we before the match was going. Um, what are your thoughts on that switch there? Or is, I guess maybe it's not a switch. I had thought Nico Hansen had, had locked that position down ahead of uh, Finley. You know, I think, um, admittedly, when I saw the lineup, I was a little bit disappointed, not as an insult to Ethan Finley, but more because 
I thought, you know, Nico Hansen had looked so promising. He had gotten so many opportunities that were, you know, very close to scoring a goal. He I, he feels right on the precipice of making it happen, opening his account because I believe he is he hasn't scored yet. Or no, he scored one. He scored it one was, goal. I think I it was the one that he kind of bumbled in. Um, yeah. It was like off the goalie, off his head, and then back off the goalie and in again. Did a little Shakira hip hip wiggle and popped yep. it right in, right? Yep. Yeah, so um, besides that, I, I didn't really have a huge complaint, though, because Ethan, you know, the whole Dahomey fiasco aside, Ethan has played super well. I think he's played really admirably, um, continuing to show his value for this team. Um, so I was fine with it. And, and again, I think Ethan had a pretty solid game. Um, either way, personally, if you have... Ethan Finley or Nico Hansen coming off the bench in the late stages of the game, that's going to be a pain in the ass for defenders to try to cover. So either mm-hmm. way, that that works for me. Yeah, that's true. They do. They both have speed. Um, I believe that Nico Hansen is the fastest player on the team. Um, or at least at one point, I saw he'd been tracked at like running the fastest. You know, whether that, that a title means... that had formerly been held by Sam Gleedle. Right. Technically, still was tearing is because... it up. He's yeah. doing well for, uh, what is it, San Antonio? San Antonio, Antonio I think, yep. Yeah. The Spurs, um, right? He's on the basketball team? What? Yes, right. Yeah. He did a right. switch, exactly. Yep. Um, outside of that, again, the, we see Unu back in the starting lineup, which I think is great. Obviously, Reynoso slots back in. Um, Dotson and Trap. I, I want to get to the back line, but that has just become, I mean, that's just it, right? Conversation over. No more debate. Dotson and Trap in the midfield is the combo. There's no other. I don't. I think. I think that. I mean, this this match. He, I think they both played well again. But even maybe before that, the conversation was over. I think that what Trap does with his passing and the way he looks for a second pass where he's beating two or three guys at one shot, he's really good at noticing when when Gasper's up or Metinier's up, and you don't really notice it, but all of a sudden, you know, he's back in position again, covering. Um, and then Dotson on the other side is kind of all the things that that Jan was and but even more you know he's he's taking the shots he's good defensively he's nothing but hustle I think at this point we're solidified in in that being our our defensive midfield combo I mean I would agree I I think both with this conversation and the Ethan Finley um you know Nico Hansen conversation it's not a bad situation for the team to be in because realistically, I know, I think, I know, I think is contradictory, but uh, (laughs) Jan Gregush, in my opinion, if he comes back into the team, into the starting lineup, he's going to be a little bit out of form because I think, especially for central midfielders who are the engine and the tempo and the metronome of a team, you have to get a couple of games under your belt. So even if, you know, hypothetically, if we see him start a game, give him a little bit of patience because that's not an easy role to just hop right in. If you're the middle of the field, that's why they call them the midfielders. If you're in the middle of the field, you're making everything happen, especially in that eight role. And so um, I think it speaks more to the great position the team is in right now with we have a wealth of options off the bench and we continue to win or tie games even with, you know, we're still not using Franco Fragapane, who's mm-hmm. coming back from a thigh injury, it sounds like, right? Is that mm-hmm. I think I saw Andy Greeter confirm it was, in fact, a thigh injury. Um, that's great. I mean, the second Franco is back, now we have, you know, one of the most effective players in Major League Soccer in the short time he was playing 
coming right back into the squad. It's it's going to be a blast. So, yeah, that's that's my. I, yeah, I ran out well, of steam. You talk about depth over. in terms of, of being able to bring someone off the bench. Um, we talk about that a lot. And I think that right now we're seeing depth and what it can mean for bringing a person back from injury and not having to rush them. I mean, I think if Coleman wasn't playing the way that he was, Boxall would have been back in this game. I think if Finley and even Nico weren't playing the way that they were, maybe we're pushing Fragapon to be back earlier. But the season is still young, and we have enough pieces that we can roll without those guys and be confident that it's not going to get away from us. Um, which is almost, you know, invaluable because you end up pushing someone back, they get more injured, you know, who knows how that all unfolds. Um, so, yeah, the defensive, uh, the, the depth we have in terms of having, yeah, one of our DPs and Ozzy Alonzo, one of the best, you know, number sixes in the league has ever known, maybe not anymore, but that's what he was. Um, and neither of those guys can start over two of the other pieces. Um, you know, that says a lot about your team. And then on the back line, like I said, we don't see Boxall again. He's still on injury list, which... Sounds like really he could have been back. I feel like everyone who's, you know, we all listen to all the different pods, and everyone is saying Boxall probably would have come back if Coleman wasn't playing. As the Are way you talking about the Score North guys? Well, they're they're all of them. They're all the yeah, different pods. But I everyone think they they, they put it out first. Right? I mean, yeah, I yeah. They're my favorite. Uh, I don't know if I've made this joke just to Alex off the air. If I've said this on the pod, so sorry about that. If it's a repeat joke, but. They're my favorite soccer podcast that absolutely sounds like two football guys talking about soccer, two American football guys. Like they, something about their voices. Like, am I crazy? Mm. Or do their voices sound like they should be talking about the Vikings? And yet, they're very knowledgeable about soccer. It's just something about it. I don't know what it is. This is but, the this is Loon Call you're talking about from Score no North? the uh, yes with, yes with Jonathan Harrison and uh, this the radio crew. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the, the the one, the older guy, he came from hockey, I believe. Um, I'm uh, sounds right about now. right. And Jonathan Harrison is actually, he produces a bunch of different um, Minnesota United podcasts um, and also helps out with um, Crafty Rogues, which is a good podcast um, that kind of covers mostly like EPL. Um, check that one out. But yeah, right. They pointed out, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of people who are talking about that. Um, but another great, another great performance for the back line. Um, last thing about the lineup before we get into the match, um, Ramona Bila not in the 18 again. At this point, it's pretty obvious what's going on, and he's on his way out. It still sounds like DC United may be the place that he heads to. Feelings on that? Damn, I was going to ask you your feelings on it first. I'll start. Um, I'm all oh, for yeah, it. <laughs> I don't think anyone's bigger than the team, and I think it's pretty clear that Ramona Bila thought he was bigger than the team, and. While he is one of our most productive players, our offensive players, um, and one of really, he's up there on top of the league when you think about per minute, um, it's not worth it if he's going to have a bad attitude and if he's going to be going against what we're working on here. I feel like we have a really good buy-in amongst our group, and we don't really have that personality right now. So to bring him in for a guy who's going to play 20 minutes here and there, um, I don't think is worth it, especially when he was never the plan for the future anyway. So if that is what's going on, which it definitely looks like that because of his numbers per minute, then I'm all for it. Yeah, I think statistically, he's actually been incredibly effective. (laughs) We're working on it. working on it, guys. He's been incredibly effective for the team, and the problem has been more of the extracurriculars, not taking it very seriously, not, um, you know, really being dialed into the team itself. He, from many reports, sounds like he's kind of been treating it more of a vacation, time to tour and visit the U.S., which I totally support when you're allowed to do that. 
I do have, it's been a while, but I do have a thing that I'm surprisingly passionate about. Are you ready for this one, Alex? I'm always ready. Okay. So I've, I've heard some snark recently on the Reddit and Twitter sphere of people talking about Abila and also I think a little bit in reference to Chacon at times as well, talking about how, man, I can't believe the scouting department didn't figure this stuff out. Like, how do they not know this stuff? And I would say if you are somebody who has who is not currently settled down with a life partner and that's your first person you've ever dated, you don't get to talk about scouting mishaps because everybody has dated somebody thinking they would be the bee's knees. And then a couple weeks in, the face that they were presenting to you is not their true face. So I don't think in any of their scouting interviews, they were like, hey, Ramon, you gonna take this seriously? And he was like, nah, I'm not gonna take this seriously. And they were like, ah, I'm sure it's fine. That conversation never happened. I'm sure the team did their due diligence to the point that's reason, like, do you wanna come play for our team? Yeah, I'd love to play with Reynoso. Okay, let's do this. You know, we're gonna get a proven goal scorer. And then Unu came and then this guy was like, I'm gonna go on vacation. It's silly to think that a single interview, or not a single, but you know, whatever, the scouting department, there's so many intangibles. You can't just say, how did they not pick this up? That's one of those weird things about soccer. You can point at elite Premier League level teams, La Liga teams, Serie A. Every single team has picked a player who seemed like the right, you know, you can talk about um, Ramon Avila's, you know, maybe wasn't fit, or you can talk about those things. I still think he was a good target man. But he was a good fit for that position, for the target man, late person in the game. But the the mindset wasn't there. Like, he wasn't feeling competitive. He wasn't feeling he wanted to try that hard. He didn't really want to, you know, stay with the team. He wanted to go vacation. That sucks, but I'm glad the team is making a point to say, all right, then if you don't want to, like, actually compete, see you later. We're not your, uh, we're not your spring break. Yeah. Well, I think that you're also, you're rolling the dice, right? Like, everyone knew this was a possibility you know he's older he's coming from Boca he's on loan there's obviously a possibility that his commitment or his energy level whatever is not going to be there but then the upside of it is maybe he does maybe he sees it as his last chance to turn his career around he takes it seriously he bangs home a bunch of goals you know and it's you look like a genius um, and really, I think it kind of ended up falling somewhere in the middle, it seems like, really. Like, he, he, I mean, you can't argue against his, like, goals per minute or whatever else, you know, whatever else you want to pull up. Um, but it does seem like there are extracurricular things where his head's just not in it. Um, and I'm all for it. No time for I that. Would argue, it's, it's, I would argue that the scouting team got the stuff that they could reasonably predict correct. You know, they were correct that he would come in and with limited minutes score goals. And they were correct that... Once he's healed from his injury, you know, he did drop a bunch of weight and started looking pretty fit before that Colorado, you know, one-inch kidney punch. Um, But after that, like, how are they supposed to predict that secretly he kind of want to just do a little Ferris Bueller's Mm -hmm. day off every other weekend? You know, you can't actually predict that. Like yeah. once the once it was out there that that's what we we're doing, I feel like now it's like it's really over. When it sounded like the deal didn't happen or whatever needed to happen before the window closed, and maybe we we're gonna be stuck with him, 
or maybe stuck with him is the wrong word, maybe who's going to be here, that's when I was the most concerned. It's like, okay, now now all this stuff's out there and he's staying. Um, but we'll see where that goes. At this point, it seems like he's not going to be around. I can't imagine a situation where all of a sudden he comes back, but crazier things have happened. So let's get into it. 38 seconds in, I believe. Um, really good passing. We create a shot. Um, but other than that, for the first eight minutes, it felt like we were kind of on our heels. Um, they had some good possession in our half. Uh, I felt like we were having a hard time getting things rolling. Um, I didn't notice as much in the stadium, but when I watched it back on Sunday, um, I definitely noticed that the ball seemed to be a lot in our half um, and that we just didn't feel like we were really settled. I was surprised to hear at the half, Adrian Heath said he thought the first 25 were really good. Um, maybe he had just kind of forgot that. You know, like obviously watching it back, you see it differently. Um, but I felt like the first eight minutes or so were a little nervy. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm assuming you're talking only on the field because I think like you and I executed a pretty good like handshake side, you know, side hug thing. Mm-hmm. And then like you know, there's a couple of good moments there, I think, early in the bleachers. But yeah, on the field, um, did not seem super impressed by the team's performance. Where do you think we were lacking? Like, if you were going to say, first 20 minutes, who was not switched on? Or or you can maybe generalize it if you'd like. But what position group was not switched on? Yeah, I it's interesting. And, like, and I thought that, too, watching it back. And, like, it just felt disjointed. And, and you know, the, the passes at, you know, going into midfield would get picked off. Um, you know, they were lazy. They weren't hustling. It just felt like it was kind of cavalier. Um, and maybe some of that was just Houston coming out, trying their hardest to get something early and then just sit back. Um, but it just, everything felt kind of disjointed and like weren't really paying attention. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Uh, I will not say 100%. I actually <laughs> stopped myself. So way to go, Grant. But I would agree. Um, I did think that once we kind of settled into the rhythm and and I didn't notice it during, I think, live in the game on the rewatch um, we started to have some decent combination play. I think we started to kind of build up what our attack wants to look like. Um, there's some good take-ons, some good ideas um, just from some of the players and stuff. It seemed like Will Trapp had a very solid performance. I thought he was really doing some good work intercepting balls, being in passing lanes, clogging up that midfield. And then he had, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, I could, I should, because there's no excuse. I have a bunch of numbers, but not the right ones. His progressive <laughs> passes seemed very good. He seemed to move the ball forward a lot. We weren't really pushing back um, or trying to like cycle the ball around and recycle it to a different side. So it seemed like we had a decent direct attack uh, a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't have it either, but I do. I, I think that Will Trap has really settled into that, and I think that's where you have to watch for him. Um, if you're someone who's on the fence for him, just look at how many of his passes are forward and how many of them actually beat, you know, maybe it's not the first pass that's obvious, it's the second one that really opens things up and he's beat a couple men. Um, so, yeah, first eight minutes, I felt like we were on our heels. Getting into the, you know, the ninth minute, I felt like we started to turn around. We had good chances. Um, and then the 14th minute, off of some good kind of interchange play. I thought, I thought you know, again, Reynoso and Lude and Unu are all playing really well together. Finley is definitely part of that as well. Um, the ball circles around, and actually we, we lose it for a minute and then get it back, and Adrian Unu plays it back to Will Trapp. 
and I watched it a bunch of times, and I'm pretty sure that was intentional. It was a, it was very good. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was intentional, and that makes it a really good play because he sees the space and knows that Will Trap can run into it. Um, Will Trap hits an absolute laser. I actually watched it back three times because I was just sure it was Hassani Dotson, and it's not. It's Will Trap. The just, I mean, it. You've all seen it. Laser. Um, everyone stands still except. Say laser course, one more time. Laser. Everyone stands still except, of course, Robin Lude, who immediately sprints towards the goalie as soon as the ball leaves um, Trap's foot. It bounces off the keeper, which he probably could have done better, but again, it was a laser. And then he slots it home, calm, cool, and collected with his left. Uh, and that was one of our early, earliest goals this season, I think, obviously, uh, outside of a few of the, the extremes. Um, we're feeling good. I think Lude got sick of the cat and mouse game. He's like, I'm not gonna wait till the 85th minute anymore. Like last eight or last 15 minutes, nah. I'm gonna do first 15. Let's just skip this thing. Let's go home. I don't really want to play Houston anymore. You know, he's got a young child. He probably was tired, uh, staying up all night taking care of the kid. I'm sure he's just like, you know what? Hey, let's get my goal. I'm out of here. Um, no, seeing Will Trap's goal, or not goal, his shot, mm-hmm. I don't think that thing dipped more than an inch, that entire flight path. Like, that thing was a bullet. And I can't even, I'm not even going to diss their goalie. Is it Marich? I think it's Marich. I know mm-hmm. his first name's Marco because I said it a few times. But I don't, like, how are you going to catch that? It bounces, like, right off his chest. Yeah. And then the thing that. And, you know, everyone knows I'm the Lude fanboy, Lude stan, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But the thing I like about him genuinely is everyone stands still. Like, only the goalie, I guess, is trying to grab the ball. The entire back line's like, ah, oh, he's got it. And Lude, the second the shot goes, he goes with it, too. He's ready every single time. And the value I see in that, and I'm totally going to be hype man optimistic, is that when we're eventually... Making the prediction right now, we're going to make the MLS playoffs because seven teams make it on each conference, so not too hard. But when we're in the MLS Cup playoffs and you have a Franco Fragapane healthy and you have Adri Nunu, you know, shooting and getting opportunities and Reynoso, you know, shooting, passing, getting opportunities, sometimes the difference between winning a close, gritty game and losing a close, gritty game is having a guy who's going to just make that run and maybe nine times out of ten marco gets his hands on the ball catches it it's it's not an opportunity but that one time is all you need in the playoffs and that makes a massive difference that you have a guy and and then the other team's defense has to know that there's always going to be a guy running onto those loose balls so they're going to compact farther back and there's more opportunities that come because of that so i don't think you can just ignore like the work that he has put in, which I think is really impressive. And the fact that he's getting over the ball more than he used to. He used to kind of lean back on his shots, and that's why they'd sky half the time, which, you know, it is what it, that's a, that's a different conversation. Well, and I've said before that I think that's why he scores so many late goals, is that he does that until you take him off the field or until the final whistle blows. And so even if the Houston defense does react the right way the whole game, if that happens again in the 97th minute, He's still doing the same thing, and that's where he gets his goals, which mm-hmm. that was his sixth goal of the season. And I tweeted out earlier today that if he has six goals, Vela and Rossi of LAFC both have five. Zardes has four. Brenner has four. Johnny Russell has three. 
Uh, Ezekiel Barco has t- three. Uh, Barrick has two. Um, and he also has three assists to his name, which is more than Dominguez, Zellerayan, Soteldo, uh, Eric Williamson, Yimmy Chara, um, Tweedy, Rossi, Valeri. I mean, his numbers... Technically four if you go by Major League Soccer stats because they, they gave him a, a hockey assist hmm. on one of his uh, goals. Okay, assi- yeah, I pulled, me, I pulled that from uh, Fump Mom, so whatever they were yeah. doing was... Um, I don't MLS know do, does sometimes, they'll do, if it's an intentional pass to set up an assist to an, a goal, like they'll give you the hockey assist. So MLSsoccer.com actually has him with four assists. Mm, okay. Yeah, Fat Mob had him at, th- at three, uh, but none of those come yeah. off of set pieces, which a lot of the assist leaders do all the set pieces. Um, and also, I think we need to stop and talk about what Adrian knew has meant to the attack. He's getting a lot of flack right now for not scoring goals, which I think is fair. If you're going to be a DP number nine, you have to or you're going to be DP forward, um, not a true number, or he's not number nine, but he's a playing number nine role. You get what I mean. Don't split hairs with me. Me. Um, you have to score goals, right? He's now five <laughs> goalless, I believe. Um, so that does need to happen. He's getting close. And I know you got some stats around expected goals, which I want you to get into. But even before that, he's brought a lot offensively, and he moves the ball well. He does well in the buildup. Him and Reynoso seem like they're really getting on the same page. And I think that that's beginning to open up space for Reynoso. So I don't want us to get too focused on just the goals. But I do think they need to come with that. You had sent me some stats earlier that I'm sure you want to get into. Oh, yeah. I am about to set the stage. So, Adrian Nunu, just like you said, brilliantly, wonderfully. Alex, you're just a gem. Thank you. Thank you. you. Um, so he's got... Two goals in 670 minutes, which is just about 7.4 games. So, you know, not exactly what you want to see out of your DP number nine. But you start dialing into his expected goals. So, first of all, just his goals per 90, he's 61st in the league. Not ideal, not great. But putting it into perspective, his goals per 90 are right next to Lucas Cavallini of Vancouver, Paul Ariola. DC United, Cecilio Dominguez, who's a DP player for Austin, Diego Rubio, who plays for Colorado, Chris Wondolowski for San Jose, Kevin Paredes for DC United, and Ezekiel Barco for ATL. So right away, just his pure goals per 90, he's still by some good company. You know, obviously you want to see more than two goals, 100%. But per 90, he's still not like, oh my gosh, this guy's trash. Now his non-penalty expected goals per 90 are, oh no, just sorry, non-penalty expected goals, excuse me, 3.8. So that's number 34 in the league, right next to Jeremy Abobasi, Christian Dahomey, Giassi Zardes. Not bad company to be around either. But last, and certainly not least, his non-penalty expected goals per 90, so just his pure game-to-game, like what he should be reaching, is 0.51, which is 11th in the league. He's one place out of the top 10 for non-penalty expected goals per 90. So that is, he's 11th. Raul Ruiz Diaz is number 8th. I struggle with that name. It does not... You got, you got there, though. I think you I got there, it. though. I did it. I was about <laughs> to say it wrong, and I fixed it. Okay? It was like a gymnast who's about to land incorrectly, yeah, and then really the last was. minute, they You they even got some like, body English when you got through the, the last half there, I, yeah. I'm Italian, so I can't not move when I speak. So 
Uh, Ridiaz got uh, 0.52 non-penalty expected goals per game. Number nine is our very own Robin Lude with the same amount of non-penalty expected goals per 90 as Rui Diaz, which, look, as a Robin Lude fan, if you told me in 2019, this guy's going to have, you know, about the same amount of expected goals per 90 as Rui Diaz, I would be like, whoa, <laughs> what happened? Mm-hmm. Like, HGH? I have no idea, but like, good for him. He found his form, love it. We knew it was going to come. Uh, Alan Polito is in number 10th, 0.51. Ola Kamara is in 13th, so I'm dropping down a little bit here, 0.50, just for kind of context. Carlos Vela is number 15th, 0.48. And a certain Mr. Mason Toy is number 18th, 0.46. So the reason I bring that up, again, Mason Toy at 18th, our very own Adriana New at number 11, is that when you go to the end of the 2020 season, 2020 or excuse me, 2019 season, you can look at any season in the past couple of years, and if you look at the top 20 players for their you know, expected goals, whether it's per 90 or just total, overall, the top 20 players tend to trend about even on their goals versus expected goals. And so the point that I'm trying to make here is that these players taking... Unu out of it for a second. These players are constantly putting themselves in dangerous positions. They're shooting shots that are dangerous shots. They're having opportunities that other players aren't putting themselves into. And so if you have a player who's in the top 11 for expected goals per 90 on penalty, it's very reasonable to say it's just a bad streak and he's going to start scoring goals. I think on the rewatch, if you look at Unu's shot attempts, you can tell he's getting a little bit desperate. And if if I was Adrian Heath, I would say, just play your game. Let the opportunities come to you. Don't try to take shots outside of the box because you're good enough. You'll get an opportunity. But that's the end of my stats. So if you have any opinions, feel free to share them. Yeah, I mean, you would share that with me and it doesn't surprise me. Um, the other one that came up in terms of... of we Minnesota United fans, especially this year, are really getting into the expected per stuff. Um, and I think that just goes to how disappointing some of our early losses were um, because there's so many things that are going right, and at the end they're just going a little bit wrong. It's and a consolation out, prize, and I comfort yeah. myself when we don't do well. Yeah. Someone tweeted out kind of like a scatter chart of t- from a team standpoint, kind of like they called it good and lucky and bad and unlucky and kind of those things in terms of expected points per game and how many points you actually got per game. Um, and if you can kind of picture what that four quadrants look like. Um, and we are up almost, we're, we're very similar with, with um, Seattle, except we're un, more unlucky. So kind of our expected points per game is very similar to Seattle. Um, team like LA Galaxy are up in, in bad and, un, and, bad and lucky. Um, teams like LAFC, I think, we're in kind of the good and unlucky area. Um, so that was kind of an interesting interesting scattering. Um, but overall, I think I want to be cautious of us, or maybe not even cautious. I want to make sure we're all keeping things in context. I think these expected per stuff is really is really important to look at, and I think it's it shows how much we're doing right and how good this team can and will be once things start clicking better. But also, you can go a whole season playing poorly and not actually 
ever, or playing well and not doing the, the last final thing right. And no one's going to care that you had, well, yeah, but look at our goals per, you know, expected goals per 90. When you look at that, we really actually should, no, there's no awards for that. So I think I want to make sure that we're all being clear that we're saying this stuff to put into context and to show how we're moving in the right direction, but that none of us think that that's actually worth anything at the end of the day. I put so much work into the statistics. And they're great. I think they're great statistics. I've just been seeing so much of the expected stuff. And I, I again, I'm saying I understand that that is good and I love seeing it. And I, I hope that... Because it's a moment to, to look at and say yes. we're not... We're, we are uh, an offense that is creating opportunities. And, and specifically our striker is having chances that normally should be converted. And there's moments of... You know, Stefan Fry just getting the corner of a glove on one of those shots and just all these moments, right? Have you ever had, um, you've been at a friend's house and the friend's parents are arguing in like another room, but they're trying to be quiet because they know like that you're there. This is you and me right now to the, to the listeners. Uh, we're, we're arguing right now. Alex didn't mention it, but I actually took my headphones off for a second <laughs> because I, I felt so offended right away. Listen. <sighs> I love the expected goals per, okay? I think that it's important and I think it's encouraging. I think what I want to make sure is that people understand that we are keeping that in context. And flip side, people say Ramona Bila is really bad, right? How many tweets have you seen? Go to the DC United Reddit page right now. You will see Minnesota United fans dropping in to say Abila was disappointing at his time in Minnesota. Look at the stats. He absolutely Well, we, I mean, he is disappointing because I had high hopes for him. Sure. But I get but his what you're in the field get... was fine. So there's the yeah. flip side of that too. And I just want to make sure that everyone's clear that those things are important to look at. It's important to keep context. And it's important to know that the other people are keeping things in context. All right. Well, now that Alex has sufficiently harshed our buzz, uh, where are we now in the timeline? Let's bring it back up again. <laughs> okay. The 20th minute, we saw a card given out for a tackle on Reynoso. By what office note? By what office note? What? Off- what? What wasn't that you were calling him in the Wonderwall office note? Oh, Memo Rodriguez. Yeah, Memo. Oh, I was searching for something about a memo and how no one likes a memo, and I don't think I ever really got there. You um, were kind of actively workshopping it. I was. As you were, you were heckling him. You changed it. I appreciate it though, because every time you got closer to a real burn, it was nice. It's important that people know that it's a safe place that you're allowed to workshop. They'll let you know I if it's good. It. It's, it's, you get the real-time feedback. If you if you have one that doesn't land, no one's going to say anything. I worked on the Marco heads. Polo thing. It didn't work. And then I, I shifted to Charlie yeah. Brown. That's what got that me. Was, yeah, that was an all-time pivot for you. The, the yeah. Marco Polo thing, it was good. It was never going to be great. So you, it was you, never gonna you be cut great. it, and you came back to the drawing board, and you ended up with something much better. you got to scrap that first draft. It's good, man. Thank you. So in the 20th minute, we, we saw a yellow card on Reynoso, which I think might be one of the earliest ones we've seen yet. And then just two minutes later, there was another one on Hassani Dotson. Or within, sorry, no, within the, sorry, no, within the same minute, there was another yellow card on Hassani Dotson. The one on Ray could have even happened a few minutes earlier. Two minutes earlier, there was a tackle on Ray. I think it was the 18th minute then. The ref said, that's it. We're not doing this this game. Two minutes later, Memo Rodriguez takes him down and he hands out a yellow. I thought for the most part the ref did a pretty good job this round, this game. There was a there was a time I think in the 44th minute where he had a call that I thought was a little questionable, but for the most part I thought he did a good job. 
and I thought he understood what they were doing to Reynoso. Did we ever confirm? I'm looking right now. So it wasn't actually Ted Uncle. We had thought. No, it wasn't. We had thought it was. Yeah. It kind of. You know what? But really, I feel like there's only like three referees, and they all kind of look the same. Like they they all look similar. I feel like it, there's a lot of archetype referees. Um, but no, I, I have a bit of a conspiracy theory, or just a conspiracy theory question. One of those, uh, you know, how people will be like, I'm not saying, I'm just asking questions. Do you have any feeling that we may, over the next game or two or three, potentially get more favorable calls because PRO is actively refusing to admit that they made a mistake with the Vancouver thing? For those of our listeners who, who haven't kept in the loop, uh, PRO referees, the referees for Major League Soccer, they do a weekly roundup of their VAR decisions, um, you know, why they made a certain decision, why they did or didn't award a, a penalty kick or a foul or a card or whatever. And they very interestingly left out the Ethan Finley and Christian Dahomey scuffle, whatever you want to call it. Um so just pretended like it didn't happen, which is not ideal. I would have loved to hear their thought process behind it. But that is, as Alex is saying, definitely the earliest we've seen a card go for a tackle against Reynoso. Do you think maybe they're going to go, oh, we'll give you a couple extra, you know, looks, no. nods? No. Zero percent chance. All right. I no. don't really either. I think they're just, 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 just did a good job. About. Yeah. He did a good he job. He just did his job. God forbid. Yeah. yeah right. Um and he was even there was a, I think it was after the a, a penalty later on in the match um, when he was kind of standing by the ball holding he kind of like tapped Ray on the shoulder to be like because he knew that they were like beating the hell out of him and he was kind of like you all right bud so I think he knew what was going on and he wasn't going to stand for it and very early on he made that clear I appreciate that twenty second minute um, Anu had a really good chance overall I thought our ball movement was really great this this game. We were going from the left over to the right side, and and we were working it around. We've gotten we've gotten away from a lot of just the forced crosses, um, where if if the ball's not there or the the play's not there, we circle it back up and around the 18. Um, for the most part, we still have moments where someone gets it and just boots it in there, and you're kind of like, well, if we were gonna do that, then that guy should have just done it like five passes ago because that was actually the better chance. But overall, I think we're getting a lot better at that, and I think honestly, a lot of that is on Chase Gasper, who was probably the the biggest offender of just booting it in there. Um, but the ball movement this match I thought was really good, and I'm really encouraged to see it, and I can't wait to see how it's going to look when Unu finds his form and, and Fregapane gets back in the mix. I think it seems, to me at least, Chase has definitely not got... Wow. De- 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 remix. Chase has definitely not gotten as high up the field as he has in previous years, previous seasons. And he's also, I think, a lot less wasteful with the ball, um, you know, kind of in that final third passing, you know, segment that he used to just kind of cross it and, as they say, you know, spray and pray, just try to whip something in there and hope something connects. Um, I think he really has done a, a good job workshopping some of the things that have not been his strength. And because of that, he's done a really good job otherwise. You know, I, I get nervous when Chase plays against Houston because they have a ton of speed, you know, on that side. They have, uh, you know, well, they had Corey Baird over there for a while, who's 
you know, definitely not a slow guy by any means. And they've also had, I think it's Picult, Fafa Picult. Picot. Yeah, Picot. Yeah, yep. Yeah, he uh, is very quick, and I know he's given a lot of problems to both Metonier and Chase in the past. So, you know, kudos to Chase for kind of, I don't know if it's Heath or Chase or whomever, just kind of figuring out where he needs to be and when he needs to be there. Yeah. And we moved on from this when we talked about the starting lineup. I don't really want to circle back to it for too long, but real quick, we did see Chase Gasper. You want to circle DJ back Taylor. or you want to touch base? Circle back, touch base, and I'll follow up later. Okay. Uh, per my previous statement. Exactly. Um, we did see Chase Gasper back in over DJ Taylor, which you and I, I think I definitely figured that was the case. We know that how Heath feels about Gasper um, and that that would be a hard spot for DJ Taylor to take, um, especially with how well Gasper's been playing. Um, any surprise for you there? No surprise, but I do think having DJ Taylor is such an awesome ace up your sleeve because... He can slot, he's already shown he can slot in perfectly for Metonier or Chase, whatever the situation is. Chase gets a knock, put DJ Taylor in. Metonier gets Mm -hmm. a knock, put DJ Taylor in. Either of them just need a rest, put DJ Taylor in. You know, I just, you know, can't have a party without DJ, am I right? Can't have a party without a DJ. Um, Let's get back into the game. 50th minute. 50th minute, if you have the means to go back and watch it, or even if, I bet if you look up like the extended highlights, I bet this this moment's on there because it was a really good chance. Go watch the 50th minute play. I think it. I think it's what our future is and why I feel like no matter how bad, how bad things are leading up to the playoffs, I would still say there's some chance that we could just catch fire in the playoffs. Because the 50th minute, there's a play that starts with Trap, it goes to Lude, Lude hits it out wide to Metonier, who sends a laser onto the a laser into the front post, and Adrian Anu just barely misses it with his head. And like if that play, that last play clicks, I mean it was you know five seconds, not even, and we're up the whole field with a very dangerous chance. I think that that's why this I get so excited about this year, and even when things aren't going the right way, I still feel pretty. Um, hopeful or I still feel pretty confident in this team because we have those pieces that can make that type of play happen. Um, right now it's nearly happening, but you get what I mean. Oh, I get you. Near miss, right? That's how they say it. I'm, I'm stalling because I'm trying to see if I can find it on the highlights, but I don't think that's available. So see something on the 52nd minute. It doesn't really matter. Regardless, we're getting moments of... of Near misses, situations where, specifically Unu, but also other members of the team too have had these where we're we're right there on the doorstep of a goal. And again, you know, certain members of this podcast don't like expected goals. I'm fun and I love expected goals. So I guess the the important thing to me, and and we'll take expected goals out of it, it's the shot-creating actions where we're at the top of the league for shot-creating actions we're currently not converting at the rate we need to be, which is something that absolutely needs to be addressed and fixed. We have to put shots on goal. But in the meantime, I would much rather have an offense that can create a ton of shots than an offense that is super stagnant and just can't get any shots off. And, I mean, all of us, you know, if you've been a fan since, you know, I guess just in the Major League Soccer era... Uh, 2017 was a rough year where 
no, it wasn't 2017. I think it was 2019 where we were having some rough time getting just good shots. We were just crossing constantly and none of those shots were, were good or quality or anything nearby. These are good shots. They're just not going in yet. Mm-hmm. And, and I say yet, I will continue to say yet. We also said last podcast, this is the turning point moment. So I think the game against Houston, we had to win. We won it. Love it. I want to see a convincing win against LA Galaxy. And they, mm-hmm. with that, means we have to score goals. So well, I'll wait to talk about LA Galaxy. But my point being, we got to put some goals in the back of the net. Yeah. Well, and luckily for us, uh, LA Galaxy have let in the most goals um, of, of almost anyone in the West or anyone. They're up there like 28, which is pretty high. I think like 30-something is, is the highest. Um, but yeah, and if, and if you follow the Gameflow PG Twitter account, uh, Gameflow XPG, um, they do like a little graph of each game of, of kind of upper and lower of, of how dangerous each chance was. Uh, and we had most of them. Houston had almost nothing. Um, they registered something in like the, the 52nd minute, 50th minute, something like that, that honestly, even on the rewatch, I don't know what it was. I don't know if maybe they got it wrong because the 65th minute is when they had their really only real shot, I thought, on a great through ball that really Tyler Merritt basically got lucky on. Um, not lucky. It, the guy kicked it and it hit his foot, which was planted. You know, Tyler Merrill did a great job to keep himself in the right position. He stayed low, but it hit his planted foot. He wasn't. He didn't make a motion to stop the kick. Um, other than that, I think that was really their only chance. Um, and, and even this this thing didn't really register it as that much of a goal scoring opportunity, which maybe just means it came out of kind of nothing. But either way, that was the one big save I felt that that Miller came up with this game. It wasn't a big goal scoring opportunity because. It was against Tyler Miller. They just knew it wasn't going in. He yeah. has played very well. I mean, he played made some really well. nice saves. He he did get lucky. I think I know what opportunity you're talking about. And, it, it like, I still don't understand how the ball did that, but it, like, hit off the back of his head sort of t- towards the post. Like, that was no, weird. That was, was a different early. One. That was early on in the first half. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, the first half they had a great kind of arching shot that hit off the post, hit off his head, and then went out of bounds. Um, Time is a flat circle, so one. I have no idea when it happened. Yeah. But it happened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was uh, beat on that one. And everyone, in the, we all in the Wonder Roll started cheering for him. Um, and in the back of my head, I wonder if he kind of knew, like, oof. Yeah, that was not me that stopped that one. But, um, no, this one came in later smile on. Smile and wave, half. boys. Yeah. Smile and wave. <laughs> 60, what did I say, 65th minute. Um, and, again, feeling, say he got, saying he got lucky seems harsh because he put himself in the right position. But the player shot it off of his foot, basically, and out. Um, and that one was very dangerous. But we survived. I said 2-0 going into this. You all laughed at me. 2-0, we survived. 81st minute. Um, oh, I re- I'm realizing actually in my notes, I didn't even write down Coleman's goal. So that was in the 65th minute that that happened. And at that point, it was just a 1-0 game. So that is like a huge hold up. turning point. In the what minute? 65th minute is when they almost scored. Oh, God. I was going to say 70, 71 is. Spoiler alert. Uh, so, 61st minute is when they almost scored. Um, again, we survive. 67th minute, Nico Hansen for Adriano New, which pushes Robin Lude up top of the false nine, um, which has been kind of our go-to. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, at this point, if Abila's leaving, that seems like it's kind of the future, right? Like, we're going to keep doing that because there's no one else who we're bringing in. The, the window closed. We can talk about the new kid in a bit. Um, and then 71st minute. But here's the thing. Even if we had Abila, I don't hate it. 
I don't I don't hate that move. I it's think hard to argue with at this point. Well, he he just has really good movement, and most importantly, he has really good chemistry with Ray. He mm-hmm. and Ray clearly are very connected. They're looking for each other constantly. More often than not, they know what the other person wants to do with the ball. I don't hate that move. Even if we had Abila, I like bringing the speed on the wings, and I like having um, Lude get just, you know, a couple more minutes. I think it was the 67th minute to the 79th minute, and then he gets subbed off. But, like, you know, you get a good 10-minute run, 12-minute run of some center forward, and then you get your break. I still think if they would have kept him on till the 85th, he would have scored, but that's... You know, not important. Anyways, like I was saying, 71st minute, we score off a corner kick. Before we get to the corner kick, the corner kick came from Ethan Finley pulling a very nice move, beating a guy into the box, almost gets the cross off, it goes out. Again, I think that he's really impressed me as of late. I, I still like him in the 60th minute sub role just because I think it's just better for everyone involved. But you can't argue that he's been super impactful these last two games um, starting. I think he started both the last two games. Um, so, so good on him for that. And, you know, more power to you. I love, I love being proved wrong about players who I think, um, aren't going to do as well as they end up doing. So please keep doing that. Um, Emmanuel Reynoso puts in a really nice cross. He'd had a few kind of rough ones earlier on in the match. Um, one, he might've been going for an Olympico. I don't know. Um, it went into the side netting. I think all Olympicos are just lucky. I think they very, very, very rarely do they ever try. And even when they do try, I think it's a waste. To any new listeners, uh, Alex hates fun. He does not (laughs) enjoy uh, cool things or, um, you know, any type of creativity. He's not what you would call an artiste. I think short corners and libgos (laughs) and uh, anytime you're taking a free kick when in a good position and you choose to not just put it in, you're making a huge mistake. Yes. Except the one or two times when it goes in and it's super dope. Sure. It is, but you just play the play the odds, you know. Take take the un, uncontested cross when you have it with enough people up in the box. Anyways, hey, as the immortal Han Solo once said, "Never tell me the odds." <laughs> he is not immortal. I don't. We don't need to get into that. But like, he's just he's not. He's a character. A character will never die. I didn't say Harrison Ford. I said Han Solo. He literally dies in the movies. You know what, Alex? You <laughs> you don't like fun. That's the okay. What happens next? What happens next? Tell me. Tell me. Then uh, Brent Coleman gets his head to it, puts it in the back corner. That was a cool one because it was that was one of those where you and I were standing in a spot where kind of like it was a perfect angle to see it coming kind of into the goal. So earlier on, then then you know a lot of people we saw that it was probably going to go in. Um, huge moment in the seventy first minute. Another big um, feather in in Brent Coleman's cap. Um, you know it'll be weird. I mean I'm assuming Boxall is just around the corner and like. He's not going to take Boxall's spot, so um, that may have been his last start for a while, um, given how well everyone else is playing. So good for him. Um, again, everyone celebrates. Seems like everyone likes him. So you know, going back to the issues we had in Orlando, again, everyone in the locker room seems to be behind him. So good for him. Yeah, nothing to add there. Good for him. All right. Good for him. Two nil up, seventy first minute. Houston has really only had one or two good chances the whole match. Feeling pretty good. But then, I mean, it just it rewatching. I didn't notice as much during the match, but rewatching it, things got very casual, um, and it almost bit us in the butt, especially on the 81st minute. But really, for 71st to kind of like the 85th, 
Um, the back line especially was very casual with their passing um, and just kept kind of going backwards and backwards and backwards. And I think the 81st minute is where it ended up on. It ended up with like Miller um, and he ended up just kind of booting it away somewhat pressured. Um, and it started with us having the ball at midfield and kind of getting ourselves into it. Um, so that made me nervous. But in the end, we get out of it. Um, I hadn't made any notes for the last half um, for anything after the 81st minute when we watched it. Again, we had some subs. Um, you know, Robin Lude went off in the 79th minute. Um, Ethan Finley went off in the 89th minute. Um, Juan Agadello came on for Robin Lude in the 79th minute. And I think we've seen a really nice turnaround from him. He's definitely not someone who I think is super, like, flashy. Um, but he's a hard worker. He almost had a goal on this one. Um, it was really close, actually. Um, and I think that he's someone that I'm, I'm, I look forward to when I see him come in because it's something different. Um, and I still don't really know what I'm going to get from him, but I feel confident he's going to give me at least something. Which is funny because I think if you go back to the start of the season, I'll at least say myself. I don't know if you had the same opinion, but I felt like he wasn't working very hard. And, you know, I, I remember having a conversation with you, at least to some degree, of the fact that, you know, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know why it looks like. Because I don't like to question people's work yeah. ethic if you don't know what's going on. I don't know, you know, why it looked like that, but that's what it looked like. Um, these last, what was it, like two or three games where he's come on as a sub, he has been really impressive. And I think he... If anything, even if he doesn't score a single goal all year, if he's going to continue that high press and that high energy as a sub, I love it. Like, you know, reward him maybe with a start at some point. Um, I know we don't have any cup games, unfortunately, to do that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, if if we need to rotate the team, I think it's very clear that we're still kind of working Unu into a full 90 match fitness. You know, we've, we've taken him off probably probably four or five times now in the 60 or 70th minute um which again if you're trying to get a striker going you'd probably keep him on a little bit later but i I think that you know it's probably for the best to to build that fitness because you know ren didn't really use him his last team they they kind of used him in like 10 minute increments maximum yeah yeah, it does feel. We've said it before. It feels very similar to Robin Lude, um, where Lude he was he was coming off of the off season, but he was thrown back into it. You know, he was on vacation or whatever, and he came back and was trying to get in the swing of things. Um, you know, Unu has was was playing. Yeah, I think he hadn't played a full match combined all year by the, when we got him. Um, so that's that's hard. You're learning the league. You're getting fit again. You're learning the guys around you. That's a lot to do. Um, I wonder if there's ever time where we're, we're going to keep him in for a full 90, um, even in you know next year, whatever it will be, um, or if we always see him, someone who comes off. Um, it'll be interesting how that, that shakes out. But yeah, I thought Juan Agudelo has been, um, you know, obviously a lot better as of late, um, and I really like what he kind of brings when he comes in um, because it's it's a little more hold up, but he's still he's still got something that you have to respect, and he's good with his feet. Um, I, I it's I'm I'm excited to see how that unfolds, especially when you think of kind of you know, what we got him for, basically, that he was kind of just like a, a pickup here or there that there wasn't really something we thought about too much. Um, and that's it. We win. 2-0, Wonderwall. That is 12 of 13, um, where we at least got points. Um, of that, I think there were seven wins and five draws. I mean, this team is rolling. And I think you have to talk a lot about what our back line has been doing lately. You know, 
for how much we give Chase Gasper grief, I thought he played really well this game again, um, both in the offensive half and the defensive half. We talked about Coleman having another good game and a goal. I mean, Baki Debasi is just like, he, again, he still is underrated, I think, even amongst Minnesota United fan base. He's just so solid. Um, and we don't even have Boxall out there. And and obviously, Mentner, I didn't, I haven't, we haven't talked about him at all yet, other than that one cross he had. Um, he had another great performance. Like, our back four is just very solid right now. Um, and even really, you know, with, 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 with Boxall missing. I mean, absolutely. It's really cool. I think the last statistic was one loss in 13 games. I mean, that's that's bonkers. You know, this this team is rolling more than a freshman fraternity brother at Lollapalooza. You know, like, honestly, your biggest point is that defensively we've held strong for so long without a consistent back line. We've had a rotating. Alex is shaking his head. He does not like that joke. <laughs> we've had a. We've had a rot. Come on, that was good. That was, that was a good one. Uh, we've had a rotating back line. We've had probably, you know, every single position in that in that back line missing at some point, um, and we continue to play well. I think Brett, Col- Brent Col- Brent 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 Coleman deserves a little bit of a head nod because he has performed very admirably. He really has been a solid player, but in my opinion, like you're saying, the number one underrated MVP is Baki Debasi. Mm-hmm. He has played fantastically, and it's because he's played so well that he enables Coleman, Gasper, and Metnir to, to be their, their best selves. Did you hear some of the, the reports or talks about how, whether it's just in-game chatter or whatnot, um, Debasi and Gasper were kind of having some heated conversations occasionally. It sounded like Debasi was uh, instructing Gasper to do something one way or the other. But I had not heard that, that at all. What, what, okay. what was the what was the rumor? All right. Well, we can just go ahead and remove the rumor because I, I don't know anything other than that. I swear I saw something, but I can't remember it and I can't find it. So I mean, dynamite I reporting. Hey, you don't come for me for the inside scoops, okay? I just. You know, I'm a parrot. I just repeat what I see in here. All right, that's all I got. No, I hadn't, I hadn't seen that. I, I didn't notice it when I was watching the match. Um, I mean, I, you know, Debasi is always directing people, and I'm sure there were times where he felt Gasper was out of position because he probably was. Um, so I'm all for that. Um, I haven't heard anything about maybe it being anything more than just, um, uh, you know, in infield, you know, tip what you'd expect. But yeah, I mean, Debasi's been so good, and you talk about the different people he's played with. But overall, I mean, Cal Williams threw a stat that we've had 15 of the last 17 matches have featured a different lineup in some way or another, which is absurd when you think about how much change that is. And, like, sure, some of that is is like, oh, well, we're technically we're more of a 4-2-3, you know, whatever. Um, but some of those are, are major changes in terms of the defensive pieces or, you know, the midfield or who's up top. Um and for this team to, to to face that while also putting together, like you said, just one loss um, in 13, that's, I mean, that's a lot. And that's why this week we've been bumped up to third in the MLS power rankings, which I think is a little bit dramatic. But I think we're finally starting to see, see people other than Extra Time who somehow made no, it through uh, a whole not, new... Not, not MLS, not MLS, ESPN. Okay, well, okay. MLS, ESPN's MLS rankings. Yes, correct. Okay, yes. Now... If you ask extra time, um, first off, they had a segment. 
Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and just, you know. They had a segment about, uh, you know, winning streaks or, or undefeated streaks. A 25-minute segment, and in no point did they mention Minnesota United, despite mentioning Dallas and San Jose, who in their last five games both did not have as many wins as the Loons did. Additionally, the Loons beat Portland and Seattle in that last five-game streak. Okay, so, like, it, I, I, I am speechless with frustration. And then you expand upon the fact that in 13 games there's only been one loss. You don't think that's mentionable, like, even a little bit? I guess not, you know, whatever. Yeah, I'm over it, dude. I, I still find myself listening just because, like, I fill most of my day with soccer podcasts, and I haven't really found another one that I like would rather that i like even like really um i like mls has gone wild they give yep. us some good shout outs i like their stuff they've got good content i think it's just hard to replace the quote unquote official mls podcast which you know it that's who they've positioned themselves to be mm-hmm. extra time yeah which is just a joke because i mean like even they have you know charlie davies on there who does like the new england revolution broadcast it's like okay this is obviously not like good coverage um whatever yeah I'm, I'm i'm over it but um great performances there the narrator says alex was not over it yeah <laughs> whatever i'm he over in it. fact was not he wasn't <laughs> <laughs> um so good we won and uh we had some good help around the league too um in terms of the other results that happened over the weekend uh lafc lost to san jose um, Sporting Kansas City tied Colorado. Uh, Portland won, but that's not a huge deal. We can get by that. Um, so that was really encouraging as well, because as, as well as we can play, which we have been playing well, um, we need the teams at the, top, at the top of the table to start tripping up at least a little bit, um, or else we're never going to get anywhere, obviously. Um, well, so and was, MLS Powerhouse and my second favorite team, Inter-Miami, won as well. Inter-Miami. Have yeah. you watched any Inter Miami games this this year? You said you were going to watch them, and you just haven't. Am I allowed to lie? <laughs> you do whatever you need to, man. I think I've watched two, and neither of them have been the full game. It's yeah. been like sixty minutes, and then I've been like, I don't know how you take all this talent and just do absolutely nothing with it. You know, like I just there there are. There are moments in the game where you'll see skill and quality out of every single one of their players, and then they'll just be like, but we have zero chemistry. Like, you think you think our team has some chemistry stuff. Uh, they are just... I was thinking yeah. of a joke, and I, I'm not going to land it, so let's just move yeah, on. Yeah, okay, good. No, I mean, yeah, it took a 96-minute goal against you know at, at home against Nashville, who's Nashville's actually kind of top of the east right now uh, but yeah they still like 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 breck shea is still like getting frequent playing time with them um it's just weird man pizarro is still like coming off in the 60th minute at least he's playing now they're they're a disaster and i kind of love it um the east in general is just i I'm, i avoid the east as much as possible when i'm doing my fantasy uh, part of it's just i don't watch as many east games but like it's just so weird right now like chicago wins at home a lot um even though they're terrible you know uh Atlanta beat, you know, Atlanta won uh, over Columbus, who was supposed to be. 
Chicago is at Soldier Field, yeah, and it's going terribly. Which is a bummer because even as a Packer fan, like I think that it's a it's a cool stadium, mm-hmm. like it's a cool historic stadium. But uh, yeah, what a it's a bummer how many MLS teams have to play in like not ideal stadiums. You know, I really thought going to Soldier Field was going to make a huge difference for them. Um, I think it's just they're just so bad. They're just not fun to watch. I mean, I follow a few Chicago people on Twitter and stuff from from meeting them at various um, matches, and and they're just it's just not fun to watch. They're just which is why it's so bonkers that broadcasters will spend so much time trying to appease like the large markets when many times when the large markets have bad teams like certain fans don't care yet like they're mm-hmm. not engaged so just talking about them more isn't interesting it's just like oh yeah your team lost again this week but they could be good eventually with this place and this person and this you know i'm not bitter yeah. no not bitter at all i can tell it nope. seems like you've got a really level-headed opinion of it all i am nothing but level-headed and i think that we should we should kind of like take a moment there and just be appreciate how how the team that we have I forget. It wasn't Chicago. It was someone else I was watching that, like, it actually, no, it was it was our game, and I was watching Houston, thinking, like, none of these players are exciting, and they don't really seem like the future. And, like, there is almost definitely going to be a time where that's what we're facing. Like, those things, those times come for every team of just disappointment, and you're in a rut, and whatever, you're switching goal, uh, you're switching managers every, every couple of years, and, like, those times will come. I, I have no idea what, you know, right now Alliance Field is averaging like 150 people above its capacity because they're just selling standing room only. And when those times come, I'm curious to see what we're going to look like and, and how people are going to feel about going to matches. I hope that they still show up. I'll definitely be there. Um, but, you know, it just I, I'm really trying to just enjoy the moment, even if week in and week out, it maybe isn't exactly what I was hoping for a result. It's wild, too, because, like, Houston and Dallas are two massive metro cities, and yet they can't fill out their stadium. They have relatively very little interest in the teams as much as they should. Like, it's a bummer. I, I, as an MLS fan, want to see the Dallases, the Houstons, the the Austins, you know, uh, which sounds like, you know a triplet family in Edina, Dallas, Houston, and Austin. But anyways, but I want to see them doing well. Like realistically, you know, I would like to see them pulling in big name players. Those are cities with pull. Same with Miami, same with LA. You know, I want to see NYFC, NYCFC. There's too many C's in that one. Uh, And New York Red Bulls. Like you want to see these teams do well and pull big names. Not just like, you know, the... I'm doing my victory tour American, you know, retirement league. But the the players who still have some gas left in the tank, uh, I would just love to see the team, uh, specifically Houston, but also Dallas, you know, really make an effort. And it doesn't seem like they, they have Tab Ramos as their coach, who's a very good coach, and yet they just seem adrift. Yeah. I mean, I think you want everyone to do well, really. Like, at the end of the day, if if you're a fan of MLS, you want to see everyone do well because that's what it's going to take for this league to keep going. Um, and if, if there's if there's teams that start falling off, especially in big markets, um, it's going to set us all back. Um, 
Speaking of teams that did well and did not do well, how did your fantasy look this week, Grant? I'm uh, um, bringing up what you what you did, and I feel like you did. You had a good week this week. It wasn't enough to win, but I don't have any massive regrets. You know, I did get a little lucky on the goalie situation. I I paid played. Uh, well, you're looking at it. Who did I play? Oh, uh, let me see. You played. Um, oh, you played the Orlando City goalie who didn't play. But then I had and a then you sub had, who did get points. Yep. Um, let's see. Oh, you had the San Jose goalie. Yeah. So it, it worked. Yep. Um, but it wasn't enough to win. So yeah, you played Madeline. 23rd. She had ninety points. That's that's like a that was the ninety people in ninety points. It was like four people, and they were they were pretty they were pretty far out there. Uh, so she probably got double, her advice. From, when it's so a double should, game week, do they get the averages of the two? No, you take the higher one, I believe. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure you take the high. I've actually never done the math myself, so maybe that's not what it is. But I'm pretty sure you take the higher score. That's just our our podcast in general. Is we're not going to actually look into it, but. You know, we kind of we we graze over the numbers really quick. You know, exactly. Just real quick. Yeah, and it was a it was a double it was a double game week for a lot for uh, for most teams. Um, uh, Zach Murphy had 103 points, uh, which was I think the highest score. No, the name is Ari had 111 scores. Of course, had 111 points uh, as he continues his unbeaten run. Uh, McMaster in chief, which I believe is Stefan, had a had 101 points. Um, I won, but I kind of got lucky. My the, my opponent, um, Captain Carlos Heel, uh, who on Saturday we learned is going to be out for several weeks with a sports related hernia. So if you get your uh, your captain wrong and he doesn't even play, that's going to make life pretty tough on you. Uh, so you know, I wasn't too surprised that I won that week. Uh, looking ahead, we definitely have a week where we can do a little bit more of the old switcheroo. We got a game Friday and we got some games Saturday. So I'm going to do my best. I'm feeling good about San Jose this week over Vancouver. Unfortunately, they haven't updated Jeremy Abobasi, so you can't play Abobasi. Um, I looked last week, and even though he came in for San Jose, he still shows up as having not had played for Portland. Um, so until they switch that so that he's on San Jose's team, or sorry, yeah, San Jose's team, I don't think you can play him. Um, I don't understand how how little Major League Soccer like cares about advertising or pushing or promoting their product. Like they have a fantasy f- soccer league that they really don't care that much about. Luisa Maria is still a selectable option for Minnesota United. Like. What level of insane laziness do you have to be where at the start of the season, you can't just, oh, that guy's not on that roster. Oh, let's look at the Dallas roster. Oh, that guy's not on that roster. Like, how hard is it? You you have a product that people are using and want to use, and yet you can't just, you know. Well, it's weird because he's still pretty expensive, too. Like, he hasn't, like, dropped down because he's not playing. So, like, he's still – Sam Gleadle is still on our team. Uh, but I actually use him as like for my uh, switcheroo guy because he's four million dollars. So I always put him whenever I can because uh, that's just fun to see him. Sam Gleadle and also Fred Emmings is my go-to uh, switcheroo goalie because I know that's he's nice. not going to play. Um, just wait till you see that big seventeen-year-old out there, man. 
damn it. (laughs) Yeah, that'll be the day. Um, That'll be the day. Standings are still, you know, uh, surprisingly enough, yeah, the the top has stayed very, uh, you know, very consistent. Um, You know, Ari hasn't lost yet, which I don't know how that's possible, but um, here we are. Uh, And, you know, I'm climbing the ladder. Slowly but surely, I think by the by playoff time I'll be in good shape, so I'm not too concerned about it. All right, don't don't dislocate your shoulder patting yourself on the back too much there. Should we talk about listener questions? What do you want to talk about? Talk about listener questions, man. Let's wrap you, this thing you up. You handle listener questions. Hit me with them. All right, let's go bottom to top because I'm at the bottom of our fantasy league. First question from Minnesota United FC News. They say. Hi, Grant and Alex, LOL. Thoughts? Love it. Hello to you as well. Hey, thanks for saying hi. Um, Alexi Gomez's left foot says, is Cold North Rents running the Alexi Gomez fan burner account? There's been some connections, apparently, to me and this Alexi Gomez left foot account, which is funny, uh, because there's really nothing you can say about a burner account that would make it sound like it's not a burner account, because... In the words of Shakespeare, methinks thou dost protest, protest too much. I can't even say it in Old English, right? But, like, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe it's me, maybe it's not. I don't Good know. Don't you make a Gomez guy. Account. No, I'm really not, actually. No. Uh, he never resonated with me personally. Sorry. Um, he was not my, my niche pick. I would much rather pick Ibsen. That would have been, like, my, you know. But if it's a burner account, it has to be kind of a joke. That's the thing. Like but like he's or something. fun though. He's he's got that fun like face, you know, photo that oh, like yeah, meme. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I don't know, not a joke, but just like fun, you know. So that, so do that you have a burner be... account? Absolutely not. You don't have a burner account. Am I gonna admit to it? On you the can air? say if you have a burner account, not which one. No, it is. I, I actually I I really don't. I really yeah. don't. Um, I don't either. I have access to two accounts. It's the Dummy Run Podcast and then Cold North Rants. That's, That's true. it. Yeah. I just don't have because I say enough dumb shit on my own account. Like, what's the point of having a burner account? Well, and I'm trying to do the opposite. I'm trying to talk to less people. So the last thing I need is a <laughs> is a mysterious account that I go and get into trouble with. So I'm more likely to block you than I am to get a burner account and start a fight. Fair enough. Um, next up is the Thunderwall at Minnesota Thunderwall, who sent us a gif of Dale from Step Brothers playing the drums, which I love. That I sent a gif of animal from the Muppets playing the drums and they said real talk no memes the thunder wall started with just two guys Saturday night and they pulled from the crowd to fill the spots and make some noise reminder that we're just volunteers and life happens but when we have to step up we always do tell the people that so consider the people told if you have rhythm or drumming abilities would like to be involved I think the thunder wall is willing to uh, consider people so if you want to be into that group I think they'd be down. Um, Alex, do you have any? <laughs> well, I don't want to speak for them. I don't yeah, know if they No, want I can it, speak for know? them. Uh, their official page, I believe, if you go to the Twitter account, it says something about, like, you don't even need to have ability. If you just want to be there, they'll teach you how to do it. Um, if you've never seen the Thunderwall, everyone stands pretty close to each other, and there's varying levels of skills and confidence. So um, if you're willing to do it, go do it. And that's true for anything within within Minnesota United, um, uh, supporter culture, that is. Um, if you see you want to be on a stand, if you want to help with merch, if you want to come up with new chants, um, if you just want to be a part of there's 
community outreach and inclusion and volunteering and like I said, merch and match day and partnerships and there's so much that goes on that that a lot of people don't understand and if if you feel like you want to be a part of something or you're just looking for a hobby um just approach someone uh within either the any of the supporter groups they'll they'll sing the right way um everyone's volunteer and and i really think that we should all shift our attention or our mindset of it to kind of it's everyone's responsibility to put in little time um and not necessarily something even you're super excited about. You should just feel a responsibility to be a part of the thing that you want to be a part of. I think that's a very, it's a very noble statement. Appreciate that. Yep. Brock Wilson at Brockington42 says, the most overused Heath trope used by fans against him? Question mark. Striker whisperer. Two to three more players. You Americans. Any others I'm missing? I'll actually take this one first because I, I have my, my list of most least uh, annoying. I think the You Americans thing is actually annoying against Heath. Like, I don't think Heath should continue to say You Americans. Like, when he was talking about the substitute thing, you know, uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm sure everyone does, but Heath had been asked about his substitutes and he said something to the effect of, You Americans are obsessed with your substitutes. And it's like, well, that's, you know, like quantifiably false pretty much all the top european clubs and managers use most of their subs in a lot of games so uh, i didn't like that two to three more players i think is pretty annoying just because he does say it a lot i know alex loves it and so he will have a chance to rebut against this but yeah what team doesn't pick up two to three more players every off season that's literally every single team in the world so yeah, the, the team always needs two to three more players. That's every soccer team ever, so I don't think it's that funny. Last but not least, Striker Whisperer, which your very own Stats by Stefan. Alex, hit me with it. Stats by Stefan. Stats by Stefan. Stats by Stefan uh, graciously offered his... Uh, brilliant mind to calculate some of these things so it's a work in progress but we were doing some research upon players entering into minnesota united if they're specifically strikers entering into minnesota united if their goal tally uh, per 90 increased or decreased and then upon leaving if they increased or decreased and then comparing that with uh, a couple other teams around the league and the numbers are not ready to be announced yet uh, just because it's well because they're incomplete you want to compare them i want to have the numbers like statistically you know comparable right now all i'm going to say is there's not that much it's it's um pretty boring there's no evidence (laughs) that he is indeed an incredible striker whisperer and there's no evidence that all the people who are snarkily saying oh ha ha striker uh Christian Ramirez has had his best major league soccer season under Adrian Heath um, per 90, you know? So even if you say, oh, he was in a limited role with LAFC, uh, so there's a lot of different players. There's different context behind them. Long story short, that one is funny to me because I don't know who gave him that nickname. I think that that's like a curse period, like to bring it briefly to Nate uh, NFL, 
I was gonna say neighborly neighbor league soccer for a second, and I, I just my my brain is not connecting today. It's been a long day. I went to Home Depot like three times, so it's just, a good day right there. It's a great day. I'm just I'm in do mode, not talk mode. So uh, NFL, right? Like people will say, oh, he's the quarterback whisperer, and that always ends badly because the second somebody labels you a blank whisperer, then they're gonna just put the microscope on you and analyze and analyze and analyze who cares i i just really don't care about that anymore um the numbers so far as as we have gone on looking into it specifically stats by stefan stats by stefan uh have found the numbers they're not that interesting it's more just like it's about average um we'll come up with the official numbers soon um but that's mostly waiting on me to pull my end of the load. So, so it's Alex, not going to get done. Yeah, it's it's probably not. It, this <laughs> is when you get paired with the really smart guy who yeah. like does all the work, and he's like, "Can you just like do one little page of it?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll get it. I'll get it done." Um, he he very graciously offered his services, which I appreciate. So, Alex, um, what what are your Heath tropes? You like dislike? What are your thoughts? Is that the question? Which ones I like or dislike? Or which well, ones it, do it, people it, talk about the most that's unfair? I guess which ones do people talk about the most, but I'm hijacking it a little okay. bit. So a little bit of both. My favorite that he does is goals change games, which a lot of people do, but he definitely says that. Uh, the one that's the most unfair um, is probably the striker whisperer. Yeah, for sure. I think that that came from his luck with Dom Dwyer and maybe one other person. Um, I don't think it's ever something that he himself has said that he is. So then to be like, oh, well, he wasn't that. It's just like, shut up. Like, move on. Go, do something else to go do with your time. So that's my feeling on the strike whisper hate. Um, leave it at that. Yeah, it was. Um, oh, gosh, he's playing in Turkey now. And I can't remember his name. Kig, um Yep. yep. It starts with a C. He's Canadian national guy. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Cool. Do we? Do you want to just think about it or? No. I, I. I mean, I know what it is. I can't think of his name. It's not. Oh man. Kyle. Kyle Aaron. Yep. There it is. Ding ding. Um. Yeah. He had two really good strikers, and people put that on. It's like he made the nickname himself either, which is like the. If he made it himself, anyone who gives themselves a nickname, you deserve to be made fun of. Like, period. Easily. And that's the funniest part. Um, you know, when when Hassani Dotson scored that last-minute goal against LAFC, um, he was being interviewed post-game, and they said, would you consider that goal a banger? And Hassani Dotson was like, well, that's for you guys to decide. And it's like, you can't ask yeah. him if he thinks it's a banger. Like, because that takes all the coolness out of it. He can't be like, yo, that one was a banger. You gotta, like, you decide. Don't make the guy decide, because then it's not cool anymore, you know? You know? There's, so anyways, yeah. so we had our Stats by Stefan moment with the Striker Whisperer statistics. Ironically, not ironically, coincidentally, Stefan also asked us a question, which is, if Messi does eventually come to Major League Soccer, which team would be the most fun for him to play for and which team would be the least fun? Don't mention Minnesota United, because that's obviously... We would love for him to play for our team, but he's not gonna... Which team would be the most fun for him to play for? 
for um, us to watch. I don't care, honestly. None of them. Any of them. I don't know. Like, which team would be the most fun for, like, I, I don't know, because it's like, he's he's going to go to either one of the LA's or, like, one of the Miami's. Like, I just think that's really the only, or one of the Florida, uh, or into Miami, not Orlando, obviously. So, he's either going to go to the, the Galaxy or into Miami, I think, is pretty much the only two I could see him going to. Um, I would say probably the Galaxy, just because, like, that's their history of, like, getting flashy players. Um then I'm sure he'd do great there. Uh, I would hate to see him go to Inter Miami just because I hate Inter Miami. So I guess right there, there's your two answers. Okay, so I'm going to be, um, you know, I'm going to be that guy and just go ahead and say I would love if he was on Inter Miami because it would be super fun to watch them do the financial gymnastics of having like 18 DPs at the same time trying to work his contract in it would be hilarious. Um my number one pick for Messi would be FC Cincinnati because nothing would crack me up more than like that first like fun fan video of him like trying Skyline Chili for the first time after eating in Barcelona and the fanciest restaurants his entire life and being like, what what the hell is this? This is a pound of cheese and watery chili on top of spaghetti noodles. Um, the least fun would absolutely be uh probably Atlanta, Orlando or any of the LA teams just because the LA teams cuz extra time would never stop talking about it and then Atlanta or Orlando because the fans would never stop talking about it ever ever so yeah i'm i'm hoping he goes to cincinnati big cincy guy all right i'll hold my breath you know he loves the bengals no he doesn't no, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> um, all right, next up. We've got two more. We'll wrap this up here quick. Sam said, with the playoff push looming, at what point do you play loot up top and make Unu earn his spot? He works hard and does a lot off the ball, but strikers have to score. Can they keep trying to get him acclimated, or will they have to look at results? Where do you draw the line? Alex, you want to take it first? I will just say that, like again, like I said earlier, I think we're seeing more results from him than... Um, the score sheet would say, and I think that you need to stick with that because part of us going into the playoffs is going to be him striking on all cylinders. So I think you got to ride it out. Even if that means you don't make the playoffs, I think you have to keep going down that pathway because that's the only way you ever get past a certain point. Agreed. I I got nothing to add to that. I think the the time you want your striker clicking is the playoffs. So if we can get him time to build chemistry up to the playoffs you know that's when we need him to be delivering so last but not least sim game shane asks us hello dummy run crew is the minnesota united fan base divided if so what is the divide is it mls fans versus usl fans is it soccer players versus soccer fans heath in versus heath out cheers beer Mm. clicking emoji yeah. Alex, you go ahead and take this one. I know you're, you're eager to talk about this one. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, we could do a whole podcast on it. Um, I think that there probably are some tangible divides that cause people to, to be one way or another. Um, I think that more it's people are passionate about the team and about how things in the section should go, and that just naturally leads to a, 
argument about how things should be handled. Um, I think I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, you know, uh, there's a lot of speculation or, or thoughts I have, but uh, none of them really are going to lead to anywhere, anywhere, and it's not really worth probably getting into. I'm going to be really spicy. Are you ready? Okay. I've got a list of names I'm about to call out. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, no, <laughs> Alex was like palpably nervous. I yeah, can see no, the look in his eyes. It. He's like, we're going to tank this thing right away. Here's what I would say. I think Minnesota United, like the, the team and the organization and the players, I think it's a bit of a Rorschach test where like, however you want to look at the team, you can make an argument. I mean, there's a lot of other podcasts out there who have very different opinions than us. And, and I think some of them make points well. And I think that, you know, the, the, the reason there's a divide is because it's not like this team is obviously great or we're obviously bad. And same thing with Adrian Heath. He's not obviously the best coach or he's not obviously the worst coach. Like there's so many argumentative facts that people will have their opinions and you can argue a lot of different angles a lot of different ways and that's why people continue to butt heads i think there's um you know a lot of different factors i i don't want to correct you but when you say usl fans i'm guessing that you mean nasl fans which i think there are fans who are used to the more intimate in-person experience of Minnesota United and then there are fans who are used to the bigger names bigger signings bigger uh, talent players of Major League Soccer and so it's a very different dynamic and I'm not about to be somebody who's going to say one is better than the other but it's it's something that we continue to wrestle with and grow as a fan base and I think that you know it'll continue to sort itself out as the years go by. I don't mean to be too like, oh, it'll work itself out, but people will find what you're what you're passionate about. And deep down, I think we all care about the team. We all want the team to do well. Um, and, and that's, I guess, my opinion. But yep. we've gone long. So I guess the last thing I would say, real quick, two minutes. Alex, we signed a new guy, 18-month loan. Joseph Rosales, 20 years old, out of Honduras. He can play left back, right back, across the back line, midfield, eight, six, three, six, nine. Damn you, fine. <laughs> what do you think about this guy? Feel yeah, good about him? Good. He looks good. He looks fast. He looks young. I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, you know, loan is good. I think maybe my one concern is I feel like sometimes when we sign people from like a country or a region where we don't necessarily have other similar people, um, that can kind of be hard for them to acclimate. Um, you know, Honduras, um, I'm trying to think of people we have, you know, we kind of have like our, like our French guys and like our Argentinian guys and like the Americans. And, um, I feel like I'm forgetting one other group that has a few people in it. Um, but I think this, this kind of, yeah, uh, you know, Honduras, I'm, I'm a little worried about that, but, um, overall I think he looks good. And, um, again, low risk, high reward. So welcome. Let's see what you got. You know, Honduras is um, very close to Costa Rica, so we do have some depth needs in our center back position. Maybe we pick up a certain Costa Rican center back, a little fiery Francisco Calvo. No. No, probably not. All right, well, I'm excited to see what this guy does. Um, 
but I think we meant for this to be a short podcast, and it ended up being classic. Right back to it again. Right back to it. All right, one thing you're looking at for this weekend against Galaxy. Just stomping them. No, well, key to success. How does that happen? Um, I think key to success is we get movement and pressure um, from our offensive pressure from our front four. Um, I really, really am looking to see Adrian Unu make an impact in this game. Whether it's an assist, whether it's a secondary assist, whether it's a goal, he's got to start clicking, and I don't want to you know, put too much pressure on him. I know he probably listens to this podcast, but um, we support you, we back you, but let's put one or two or three or four or five in the back of the goal. Alex, what about you? Well, yeah, like I said, luckily they are you know, near the bottom of the league in terms of goals allowed. Uh, they have allowed uh, 28 goals, um, which is far and away more than anyone around them and realistically up there amongst the, the most in the league. So for a team that struggles to score, like that kind of may be a good setup for us. Um, I think we need to watch kind of as as the ball gets, as, as things get condensed down inside the six, I think we got to watch the 18. Um, I feel like when I watch them, a lot of their goals kind of come from those more um, fringe players as a lot is happening within the box, especially since um, Chicharito has been out, which I think he still will be this weekend. He didn't play last weekend. It sounds like he maybe had a little bit of a setback in terms of his return. So um, if that continues to be the case, um, I think that we need to just make sure that those secondary runs, they got that new Rivalison kid um, who's been really good. So I think we need to watch those uh, those runs around the 18 as, as things get condensed around the six. Love it. Heard it here first. Well, that's all All I got. got. That's it. Let's call it. We're going to get out of here. Let's call it. We'll see you on the weekend.